Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money show. It is Monday, April 10th, and we are here starting off, um, I guess, a vacation week for a lot of people. A lot of schools are off. So if that's you, uh happy for you that you're off or maybe it's not so easy to be off because sometimes that takes a lot of work. Anyway, if you're celebrating a week off, congratulations. If you're working like the rest of us, then uh, welcome to the old grind. Here we are. It's uh, I don't really love April, so I'm okay with that. Let's just grind through this. And uh, Mark, I am planning, just so you know, to do a nice three weeks in August where I'm not going to be recording with you. And I know you'll miss hearing my voice, but that just means, you know what that means, lots of work in advance. It means even extra work. So three weeks in August, and then I know there's a couple weeks in October. Oh, yeah. I forgot about my two weeks in October. We have six weeks that we got to get in the can right now. I don't know. I don't know. I might not do that to you. I may just do it when we're in in August because it's not that hard. And, And knowing that I have my October break, I may just say we'll just put a week or two in the, maybe we'll put a week in the can. We'll see. Anyway, we are here trying to help you make better financial decisions, or maybe just try to understand what your priorities should be. You sometimes determine those priorities, but sometimes you kind of come in and you sort of say one thing, and then we do a little conversation, and then we get to a different place. And that's fine, right? We encourage you to just sort of say, I need a a big picture approach. And Mark and I are both certified financial planners. We don't do it for a business. We just do it for the show. Mark, I did just get my continuing ed notice for CFP board, which at that moment, I always say, well, do I really want to do this? And then I say, yes, of course. At some point, I'll probably stop doing it. But I don't know, not for a while, right? There's no way I'm letting that lapse. I put too much work into it. I know. That's the thing. They really hook you in. And uh, to do all the continuing ed is very much worth it. I, I sometimes like to do the continuing ed because it does let me brush up on certain things. And I'll tell you, I think this year I'm going to do a big push on annuities because I do think that my normal outlook of like annuities stink 
it's not always the case. They are getting better. So I need to do a, a deeper dive and a refresher into the world of annuities. I'm going to do that. And then maybe, maybe I'll, I bet they have like a module on Secure Act 2.0. That's a good refresher also. So I, I try to take the coursework, not so much in the things that I know already, but the things that I think I need a little refresher on. So that's what I'm going to do. Anyway, that will help us guide you. And if you do have a financial question, just go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button and let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. Hey, for everybody who is a subscriber to the Jill on Money live service, if you miss the Ed Slot interview, uh, the webinar, then you can get it. It's up. Uh, Karen put it up behind the paywall. And if you did not join us that night, you have access to it. If you subscribe to the new service, Jill on Money Live, for a whopping 35 bucks for a year, that will allow you to go watch that webinar, which was a lot of fun. Don't you feel left out? Do you have fear of missing out? It'll cost you 35 bucks to satisfy that, okay? So you can get right back in it. All right, now, everyone else, again, come on the air. It's fine. We love it. We love to talk to you. Today, we are joined by James, who is in the beautiful state of Utah. James, welcome to the program. What can we do for you today? Good morning. Thank you. Well, so I've been listening to you guys for about six months now, and I uh, I really just enjoy your all-around demeanor, good nature, and, and greatly appreciate the knowledge and wealth that you share with your listeners. And because I don't have a financial planner or a retirement planner, I thought I'd reach out to you and, and give you some details about me and, and hear what you have to say about my idea of retiring next year at an early age of 58. Ooh, wait a minute. You're 57? I am 57 right now. Yes, 57 oh and a half, I like to say. Oh, okay. All right. I understand. You want that half year. So 57 and a half sounds weirdly close to the age of a certain podcast host with whom you're having a conversation. So tell me, what is it about this time that makes you want to retire? Do you hate what you do? What's going on? Um, no, I don't. I don't really hate what I do, but I don't have a passion for it anymore. Okay. Um, unfortunately, two years ago, my wife suddenly passed away. And so, uh, you know, my whole life has changed, if you will. Mm. And so <clears throat> thank you for that. Putting that aside, I've just realized that I, I probably have wasted a good portion of my life on a career that I built um, that I loved and, and that I still have a little bit of interest in, but not as much anymore. So uh, I think this time in my life, it's time to move on to my next journey, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm trying to decide financially, am I stable enough to actually take the leap and do that and, and not look back and not have to worry about the finances side so I can get on with the next, uh, the next phase of my life. I like that you say that move on to the next journey, as we like to say, financial independence, new or next endeavor. It's like the next thing. And I, and I get that. That's really, I mean, by the way, that's my whole book was based on this, the great money reset, because, you know, I think that the prompt of a surprising and horrible death, illness, divorce, anything like that, that makes you reprioritize. And like you said, uh, you know, you might have, I, I wouldn't, I'd hate for you to describe your career as something you did that was a waste of time. It was like, it made sense for the time you did it. And maybe let's see if you have a chance to shift your, your next chapter to do something different. So James, do you um, have children? No, no children. Okay. So right now, why don't you tell us a little bit about your financial stuff? Right now, how much do you earn? So uh, last year, this year, uh, my projected earnings will be 210. 
Okay. And do you make a retirement contribution based off that $210,000? I do. At the employer, uh, we have a 401k program there and I, I do the max that the employee, that the company contributes. That's 4%. So you just do up to 4% on that? Yeah, I just do the 4% because that's the matching. And, and in my experience throughout all of my careers and employers who have had 401ks, Getting the match is fine. And then I like to invest the rest of my money with my brokerage firm because I have more options. All right, cool. So tell us, so how much money's in the 401k right now? So right now that 401k has $40,000. Okay. And then do you have any old retirement accounts that like an IRA rollover or something? I do. Yes. I have a Fidelity. I, well, <laughs> I have a brokerage um, rollover IRA that is um, currently at $1.4 million. Wow. So that's the IRA rollover. Do you have, and then do you have a taxable account, a plain brokerage account? I do. I have a brokerage account there as well. And um, that is currently at 860 with the majority of that being in cash at the moment. Really? Yeah. You know, the market last year kind of made everybody a little squeamish, right? So so I rolled over a lot of things into cash at the moment, which is one of my concerns that, that that I'll ask you about. All right. So 40, 1.4860. Um, how about just, do you have an, a, an emergency reserve, a cash account? Do you have some I bonds floating around? Yeah. What do you have? I do. Yeah. So I have a checking that's currently at 40. I, I keep roughly about 40 K in there. And mm-hmm. then I have a couple of various high interest savings account that each ha- or that uh, totally have uh, currently right now about 400 K. Mark, I thought it was going to say like, oh, and another 40K, uh, another 40K with a zero. Okay. Plus four. So 440 in cash plus the bunch of cash in the brokerage account, right? I'm sitting on a lot of cash. Yes. All right. All right. Cash is not bad when you're making a big transition. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. What about uh, any other asset that you have? Um, well, I have an I-bond. You know, last year I did, did the whole series I-bond thing that, mm-hmm. that we jumped on and that was 10K. So I have that as well. Mm-hmm. Personal HSA that is currently at 10. I have an inherited IRA from when my mother passed away a couple of years ago. That's only at 42K. How about um, where do you live? Do you own a home? Um, so I don't own the home that I'm in currently now mm-hmm. uh, out of Utah. There's a, a mortgage on that for about 400K. That was a 30-year fixed and I got lucky at the time. It's a uh, 3.25%. So so that's not too bad. Wait a minute. You, you do or you don't own? You, I thought you said you don't own. You do own. I do own the house, but it has a mortgage on it. So what's the house worth with a $400,000 cheap mortgage? Yeah. So the market value on the house right now is about a million. Okay. And you like it? You want to stay stay there? Uh, for the time being, yes. I feel like there's there's something possible there. Uh, well, there is. A, there's a relocation idea in my head, but I don't know where. I mean, this okay. is paradise for the moment. It, will it be paradise forever? I don't know. So it's a okay. question. All right. And and is this the kind of place, just because it's Utah and I think of that place as such a beautiful place, is it a possible rental property? Uh, it could be if I wanted to go down that. I, I don't know if I want that hassle. If I yeah, hear you. I would probably just, just do it all. But but I'm telling you, it's paradise. So uh, All right. Paradise sounds good to me. Um, okay. Now, James, if you look at your expenses on your $210,000, how much do you think you really need to live on? So I did a projection from last year's expenses and, and I'm somewhere monthly between six and eight K and that includes the mortgage. And that also includes any trips that I might take, you know, personal trips, vacation kind of things. I rolled all that in and just did an average out throughout the year. And it came out to about somewhere between six and eight K a month. Okay. And what about, I mean, if you had to pay for insurance yourself, then you, we, right. So if you didn't have this job, we would have to maybe add another thousand bucks into this, right? 
Yeah, for sure. I didn't. Ca- I haven't calculated what the health insurance costs. All right, let's say nine grand a month, just for the heck of it. I'll go to the top end. Do you hear my dogs going crazy? I'm so sorry, Mark. You know what time it is. Now, are you entitled to any pension? I do have a small pension from a previous employer. Uh, around age sixty-five, if I wait that long, that'll be about a thousand a month. Uh, you know, if I take it sooner than that for any reason, it would it would deduct, of course, from that. So that. And that'll start about when I'm 65. And if we look ahead, say Social Security, your full retirement age is 67. What's the Social Security amount that you could look at? That's a good question. I'm sorry, I don't. I just. I'm don't guessing it. it's probably around. Mike, Mark, what do you think? 3,500 is that fair? Yeah, I would think so. 3,300. And also, since you mentioned Social Security, I also recently just found out that I am entitled to uh, what's called a survivor's benefit. And I will use that, honestly, when it kicks in to fund the charities that were important in my life. Do you know how much that would be and when you would be entitled to it? Yeah, I'm told that that could start at my age of 60 and it would be roughly 11K uh, a year. Okay, but we're going to use that for charity, maybe. Yeah, that's my plan. It, okay. in, in case, you know, in case you tell me that, that I'm in dire straits here. I mean, I'm-, <laughs> I'm not telling you that. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you right now. You're not in dire straits. So. When you say, you know, you've got another year and then you want to do something else maybe, right? You want to have another yeah. journey. What are you thinking about? What's your ideal? So I'm, I'm really passionate about helping other people reach their full maximum potential in, in the mm-hmm. workplace. So mm-hmm. I, I've always been a good mentor, I believe, throughout my career. And that's something that I would be interested in. Um, there's a couple of charities that I help. Uh, I would like to do more work in that and and probably get on some boards of nonprofits and try to help them, you know, in their financial situation as well. So there's, there's things like that that interest me. And that's kind of where I want to spend the majority of my time. Mm -hmm. Of course, that doesn't sound like those pay very much. (laughs) Well, I'm hoping, right. I'm hoping that I'm I'm hoping that I'm going to be okay. Right. And I want to be a a leader where I can always always get the part-time job at Costco, I guess, and be a really friendly door. I know. I know. Um, So, okay. Let's, let's kind of think about this. So, we need a couple of, we need like phases of this project. Okay. So obviously in the next year, I like the idea that you've been stockpiling cash. That's great. But I'm thinking that once you are done with work, you will be 58 and a half or 59, right? About ish. You know, you can obviously support yourself. You can keep you can spend the um, so from fifty eight and a half to fifty nine and a half. You're going to burn up a hundred grand of cash that you have. You're going to live on that, right? At yes. fifty nine and a half, something interesting happens because that's when I think we have to start. We'll probably get the money out of the retirement environment. Is to start using the money from your IRA rollover, pull that out, and pay the tax on it. So that you can just start limiting the amount of money you'll have to take in minimum required distributions. And you should do that all before it starts to be your Medicare time. So right now, um, when you file, you're in, I mean, your highest tax bracket's 32. You go from like 32% as a highest bracket to probably closer to 22 because you have interest and dividends, et cetera. I mean, I'm thinking that maybe you could just take a hundred grand a year or maybe 120 grand a year out of your IRA, okay, and pay the tax on it. 
and live on that from 59 and a half until you get to your full retirement age, which is 67-ish. And then you're starting to pull the money out of that account. Although, Mark, don't I have to stop doing that because of Irma? Let me think about that. So there are standard premiums for Medicare. And then there are Part B and Part D. So Medicare for Part B, that's your doctor visits. And Part D is prescription drug benefit. If you make too much money, the government will charge you an extra surcharge for this Medicare Part B and D. So let me give you an example. You'd be filing single, okay? Let's say that I you, you do what I say, which is you take the 120 grand out of your retirement account in that year. If that were the case, you would have to pay an extra $78 a month for your Medicare. Not so bad. It's fine. Okay. You know, but it's a thousand bucks, right? So it's not chump change. But if we pull out too much money, then the, the numbers for Irma go up to the highest possible, which is um, like if I pulled out a half a million dollars all at once out of your retirement account, that would mean an extra 472 bucks a month. So I want to be mindful that in this game plan that I'm concocting for you, uh, that we may have Irma kick in later, meaning when you're at the Medicare age. Okay. Now let's say we now have that money from 59 and a half to 67. And I'm not touching the money from your, your wife's social security yet, but then at 67, you will have her 65, 67, you know, you'll have this social security plus a small pension, right? So you'll have this $4,500 a month. And then we have to come up with the the gap between what's coming in and what you need. So we need another $4,500 a month net to you. So what I'm looking at is this. We have all this money and you've got this 401k and, you know, probably by the time you actually retire, it'll be one and a half million bucks, let's say, all in, right? If that kind of dwindles, I'm thinking that if we pull a bunch of money out of that, each year from 59 and a half to 67, uh, you know, we're going to get down to like, we're going to cut that in half. That'll end up being 750,000 that'll be left in there. But we haven't touched your brokerage, which would be 860. Um, We've reduced your cash by 100. That's 300. And um, so now I'm trying to figure out, are we going to make it for you? I think we can make it. So then we'll have $2 million left, which would create about 60 grand a year in income. When I play this out, I think you actually can do this. I think that your game plan could work. I don't think that you are, it's not like a slam dunk and every year you work, it gets better. But I think you can make this work. The thing that we haven't done in this calculation, just so you know, is we have not touched your home, okay? And if you thought I'm done with paradise, let me see what hell looks like. If I've been in paradise, let me go to hell. I don't know where that would be for you. Maybe if you're a guy from Utah, it would be like the deep South that's sweaty and- Or New York City. Or New York City. I mean, I don't know. We'd love to have you to come come visit hell. It's not that bad. Uh, it really isn't. We love it. We love our hell. But if, you know, you could maybe, if you thought about it and you really thought, I don't, I don't want to maintain a home. I want to do something different. You do have $600,000 of equity that you could do something with. I think this plan will work. I think there's a few different- parts of it that could be maybe, maybe what I would do just, 
I don't want to like disrespect your plan about your wife's survivor benefit, but a, a better plan that I would see is to use that $11,000 a year to just support yourself for now. And you can later start giving money from your retirement account, which is a really great place to gift. So I would be like kind of holding back a little bit and you can do some gifting, but like I want, I don't necessarily want you to not have that survivor benefit. If anything, you know, if you had some stock that you wanted to gift to a charity, but cash is not a great gift for someone like you. You know, if you have accumulated um, gains in a stock or a mutual fund, that would be a good thing to gift or a QCD at 70 and a half, right? And then, I mean, obviously, if you were to get some other job, if you get passionate about mentoring and you're in a charitable organization, you say, actually, I want to work there, you know, anything you can do to kind of get you health insurance between now and age 65 is is helpful. But I don't want to, it's not a forced, I don't see that as a forced, like necessary thing. There are people who come on the program and I'm like, go get yourself some health insurance. I don't see you are in that. So from from my perspective and Mark's perspective, the situation you laid out is doable. You should be able to, in a year, actually make this shift. I know that there's a ton of money in cash, so I want to help you get that reinvested because you're going to need your money to grow. You don't like if you had if you had another million dollars tucked away somewhere else, I might not be as worried about that, but you're going to live a long life, hopefully. And, you know, you could live for 35 years and I need you right now, your cash, after you pay taxes on your cash, right? And you factor in inflation, you're losing money. We need you to refocus that and get your money reinvested. So how does this sound so far? It sounds promising. Thank you very much. I'm a, I was a little surprised that, that you didn't touch the cash sooner versus going right to the IRA, but but it makes sense in that that cash is losing me money. I'm very aware of that. I'm just sitting on the sidelines, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, so the reason why I'm really thinking about that IRA is that I'm seeing a way for you to reduce your future required minimum distribution and to manage your tax liability. You right now, as a single person, your highest tax bracket is 32%. So if we can get your money out at 22 or 24%, mm, that's kind of juicy for me. That's like a big savings. You know, when you think about the future, if we don't touch the retirement account, okay, and we we burn up your cash, what you're going to end up having is you will have $4,500 a month of income and you will have some money from brokerage, but you're going to be forced to pull money out of your retirement account. So if you think about it, check this out. This is another one of Ed Slot's handy dandy tables that I love. Um, this is how we figure out the lifetime table. So if I, Mark, if we don't touch the IRA rollover, pretend it grows for now another 15 years. Give me the number on that for 15 years from now. What's the amount? What's the account value? Right now it's one point, let's call it 1.5 because he, he'll have another year. So let's say one and a half uh, million dollars for 15 years. Do it at 5% just for the heck of it. 3.1. Okay. So check this out, dude. James, if you, when you get to age 75, you have to pull out 4% of that a year. That's 124 grand. So that $124,000 is on top of the $4,500 a month that's taxable to you. 
through your pension, right? The 45, there's a pension plus the social security. So now I've got a, a hundred twenty four one two three, and so now you have one hundred seventy eight thousand dollars of income in the future. All right, and right now, based on today's tax rates, that puts your high your your highest taxable rate at twenty four percent. And yet, I would even say this: I'm not even sure it'll be that. It could tax rates are more likely to go up than down from here. So I'd rather you pay the tax now, lock that twenty four percent in today. I think that would be. I don't know. I truly believe that that's going to be a better outcome for you and you'll control your tax liability. Yeah. And tax liability is not something that I spend a lot, spend a lot of time on. So I'm listening to you and I appreciate that knowledge that you're sharing with me. First of all, I think that when you go through this tragic thing called loss of spouse, you are right to try to understand and, and, and sort of gain, you sort of like gain a new equilibrium. I'm going through this with my friend, Andrea. It's like, you're sort of at sea, you've lost your person. You now need to figure out like what you are here and now it's what's next. And I usually have found that with many people in this situation, what's next is not what I've done for the last 30 years. So I get it. I also think that you are fortunate that you and your wife saved a lot of money during your lives and you've put yourself in this situation where you can do something different. So I think that you can do this. I really do. You know, I'll just do a few extra things here at the end, which is you've just gone through this process of settling an estate. Now, do you have your own estate documents done? You don't have children. Where's all your money going? Charity? Yes, all of it is earmarked to go to our charities. That's awesome. Good for you. What else can we do for you? So, so I have a question about the unpaid paid mortgage. I, mm-hmm. I'm sitting on this cash, and yeah. I'm, I'm no, getting no. ready to retire. And I've always told that you should own your house before you retire. Who right? said that? I'm re. That is um, okay. You ready for this? Here comes your very official term. That is baloney. Okay, you thought I was going to say a bad word. I know you did. That is true. Let's pretend that you had a nine percent. 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Yeah, of course. Pay it off. This is a three and a quarter percent note. Absolutely do not pay it off. That cash is gold for you. That brokerage account is going to help you build your future. And if you pay off this house, the house that you're not even sure you're going to keep, you rob yourself of that liquidity and the plan won't work as well. It really won't. And then you might be forced to sell this rather than be in a situation where, well, I might want to keep it. You may want to keep it. So no, no paying off the mortgage. Negative. Let the cash work for me in the future. Yeah, you. except don't sit around in cash. So how are we going to get you reinvested? Can you can you do this yourself? Are you, are you on top of it? Are you going to dollar cost average? What are we doing? I, I like to think I'm pretty smart when it comes to that. I'm, I'm just, you know, there's a time right now. The last year has been hard and, and there's a time to jump back in. And Yeah, you tell me that time since you nobody knows how to time the market. So you just let us know when you ring the bell when it's time to get back in. That's a, little, that's a New York uh, sarcasm for you, buddy. No, I got you. Nobody knows and I'm, I'm coming back in slowly but surely. I agree with you. I, I'm, I, I don't even know when now is, but now is what I could say is that when you're sitting on a whole bunch of, I'm, I mean, usually people time the market by accident. You know how like they say, 
it was shocking. I just happened to sell all of my portfolio out at the end of 2021 because I was buying a house or I had to pay a tuition bill. And like, that's the accidental market timer. Otherwise, it doesn't really work, James. So get that money to work and um, don't look back. Keep us posted and we wish you the best of luck. I'm very sorry for your loss. So I think that you and your wife put you in a place to do something different and go ahead and get it. Keep us posted. Take lots of pictures along the way and let us know how it goes. Okay. Oh, thank you so very much. I will. If you are like James and you're looking for a great money reset, also the name of my book, you can just buy the book or you can let us know if we can help you out. You go to jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button, check the box if you would like to come on the air. Again, links to the Great Money Reset are right on the front door of the website, as is our new service, Jill on Money Live. Okay, that's it. Lift someone up today, someone like James, who needs a little lift. Will you please change your work, change your wealth, change your life? Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity forming strong teams to support them. Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.